I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Leah? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing tremendously well. <laughs> wow. What kinds of invitations have you been working on? I've been thinking a lot about Elder Suarez's Suarez's, Suarez's, the talk of Elder Suarez. <laughs> um, and the just his focus on compassion, and um, he used the phrase "soothe your impatience," which oh. I thought was interesting. So I've been uh, actively working on and applying um, his his principles in my. Uh, I am interacting with many people every day, and so that's I'm applying it there. <laughs> I'm. If only you could have read that talk before you drove your brother to seminary every day. I know. <laughs> yeah, I could have used it four years ago. <laughs> uh, no. So tell, tell me how you're applying it. So what, what does that mean? You, you're interacting with lots of people. Um, like I have lots of different um, missionaries that I interact with and teachers and just, I mean, I'm on Zoom calls all day. Um, and so it's really easy for me to compare people to other people and to assume things about people that I don't actually know um, just based on my perception of them in comparison to the other people around them. Um, and and so every time I have a negative thought um, about a person that I don't like, it's not actually like a fact or, or true, then, then I think, well, like Elder Suarez said, <laughs> to have compassion and only Christ knows everyone's circumstances and um, stuff like that. So basically just um, kind of like pulling myself back every time I feel myself uh, kicking into that uh, habit, <laughs> that terrible habit of mine. Yeah, that's awesome. I think um, thanks for being sort of open about that. And I think it's so easy to be judgmental or to come to it's, it's like a natural brain mechanism yeah, to save time and be efficient or whatever, but it's totally not helpful in a gospel setting. So great job at being a good example of that. Rivka, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Awesome. Yeah. What kinds of invitations are you working on? So are you, are you going to keep the same sort of idea of being a disciple as you go between this conference and the next, and then just sort of, uh, work on different parts of that or, or have you been thinking about something different? Yeah. No, that is the thing that is sort of the, the underlying thing that I'm working on. Um, I did say the last time we did this, that I'd started in my bullet journal, a two week exercise of, of recognizing and getting better at compassion during interactions Mm-hmm. And I was like three days in at that point, but I'm on day 12. So I've almost finished Ooh. my two weeks. Um, I will say that 
I had one time when I had to go back and do the day before. And I had one time when I had to go back and do three days in a row before recording it and thinking through it. So learning to have compassion with myself as I'm trying to (laughs) get better. Um, But I'm also learning how often the times that I need to better exercise compassion are not happening during interactions, but during like inside of me and my own mind and changing the way I Mm. think and see things. Um, And it's helping me to expand my understanding of what a compassionate person, what that entails. And like when we talk about the savior's compassion, Obviously, in scripture, most of the (laughs) examples would be during his interactions with people because that's how, uh, if you're telling stories, that's how you tell the stories. But I'm finding that so often the the times when I'm recognizing I need to be exercising more compassion are not necessarily in the moments when I'm interacting, but it's thoughts that I'm having about people or situations when I'm not in the middle of them, but when I'm sort of you know how you get caught in these loops of thought (laughs) and when I'm pondering them generously or not generously anyway. So that's one of the things that I've been learning as I've done this exercise is that being a compassionate person happens far more when you're on your own and, and in the way that you are viewing things or thinking about things than when you're, interacting with people and that the ability to do it as you interact with people comes from having a more compassionate way of thinking. That is a tremendous insight. And it makes me think then who does it benefit the most when you are compassionate? Yeah, (laughs) no question. And I think this is the way it is with developing um, the virtues of the savior is that we are infinitely more blessed um, as we develop them, then we can be a blessing to others and we can be huge blessings to others. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. It reminds me of, a. I heard a, uh, it was an interview, maybe it was a podcast, um, with a neurologist and she was talking about acute and chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And she gave the example of, um, you know, having a negative interaction with your boss and how acute stress can often make us stronger and make us grow. Define acute stress for the non-scientifically <clears throat> um, <clears throat> versed. Okay. Um, so in this situation, it's uh, an emotionally charged discussion with your boss. So that raises your um, um, stress hormone levels in your body and sort of triggers your fight or flight response and a, and a sort of very emotional interaction instead of a um, calm logical um sort of um interaction or even better a positive emotional interaction so that's and that happens in a very short amount of time and then if you leave the office and you get stuck in the the thought loop Mm -hmm. then you are re-elevating those stress levels over and over and over so you're 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 experiencing the same stress repeatedly without being in the same situation so you're paying a huge cost with uh, with zero stimulus in front of you, if that makes sense. Um, so an exercise in acute stress would be, um, you know, lifting a heavy weight or uh, doing a hard workout 
And a chronic stress would be, you know, walking across the plains <laughs> or something <laughs> like that Yeah. Um, without a sufficient recovery. So I probably, I took way too long on that. The point was that compassion um, only benefits you as you get yourself out of that. So not only do you grow spiritually, but um, you decrease that stress response um, that can be negative and leave it in a stress response that's positive for you. So some types of stress are good and generally it's that acute stress. So anyways, that was poorly prepared and explained, but <laughs> hopefully somebody somewhere got what I was talking about. Um, okay. So the invitation I'm working on is to read through the mental health section of the gospel library app. And uh, I read through what I thought was the section. And, uh, you know, I was like, yay, good job. I got a little hit of dopamine for, you know, checking something <laughs> off my list. And then um, I realized two things. Number one, there are videos on all of them. And I thought they would be like one or two minutes or whatever. Nope. So when I started watching them, they're really long. <laughs> and um, that's a lot harder for me to accomplish because I can just sort of read whenever, wherever you know, I want, but mm -hmm. it's harder to like sit down and focus on a video. Mm -hmm. um, and then somehow I had misunderstood the structure of the app and I discovered a whole bunch of other mental health things that I didn't realize. So I, ha I, it's not that I had a setback, but I did not achieve as much as I hoped and I will continue to work on it. And I think it is super important as a, an issue facing a huge one of the videos that said like one in four Americans will experience mental health. And I was like, I think that's low. I mean, especially the younger generation where it's mm -hmm. more open and they're able to talk about it and more diagnosed and all those sorts of things. Like I, I mean, to me, it seems like half, I don't know. That's anecdotal. I don't know what the real statistics are, but uh, it seems really high. So I think it's a really critical issue right now. So Aliyah's nodding, which makes for great podcasting. <laughs> I do a lot of nodding and, and looking at my dad and like uh, a nonverbal cues that, <laughs> that no one can hear. <laughs> uh, well, let's have a verbal discussion about <laughs> with pow the power of God in great glory. And there's a little reference there in the title, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't usually see that. And it's from 1 Nephi 14, 14. That's, so it's a direct quote with the power of God and great glory. And this is by Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So somebody somewhere was like, you know what we need? Talks back to back from Elder Oaks and Elder Bednar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got them. So Aaliyah, what was the fundamental doctrine being taught here? Um, in this talk, he discussed two kind of aspects of the gospel, one of which is missionary work and one of which is temple and family history work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that they are complementary and interrelated aspects of one great work that focuses upon the sacred covenants and ordinances that enable us to receive the power of godliness in our lives and ultimately return to the presence of Heavenly Father. So uh, he goes more into, the, into depth um, about discussing how missionary work and temple work um, kind of function together. Um, but I, I loved the idea that ultimately the, the crowning aspect of our gospel, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the covenants that we make in the temple, which result in us having the power of God. Awesome. <clears throat> I love that. Um, he is, for some context, he's in charge of 
Temple and Family History work. I think there's a committee or something, and he's chair of that committee. Or I'm not really sure how all the structure works in the the administrative side. But uh, just like Elder Uchtdorf is over missionary work, so if you follow his Instagram, he's always talking about missionaries or missionary work or whatever. Um, and he gives talks on missionary work. And so this, he's giving sort of the equivalent here and tying things together with temple and family history work. So obviously it's something on his mind. So Rivka, what else uh, did you have to say about the fundamental doctrine being taught by Elder Bednar? Uh, that's it. He says, honoring covenants arms us with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. That's in the very last paragraph, but that's the underlying um, message. And that is the reason we, the, the important work that we're doing is sharing the gospel with those here on earth and working to provide the opportunity for the acceptance of covenants for those who are on the other side of the veil. Yeah. So it's all about covenants, basically. It's all about binding us back to our father in heaven through the savior. Yeah. And he actually, so sometimes you get talks where people say, you know, I invite, and that's always nice because <laughs> then <laughs> it's obvious. This is one of the few where he says the fundamental truth that he's teaching. So he says, I believe that, that I believe the prophet Joseph Smith was emphasizing in both statements, the fundamental truth. And then he, you know, finishes out what that is, that covenants entered in through Authoritative priesthood ordinances combine us to the Lord Jesus Christ and are, are the essential core of the work of salvation and exaltation on both sides of the veil. So when I saw that word fundamental, I thought, oh, he's just he's giving us a little tip here. This is the, the doctrine he's trying to teach. So we each chose sort of different um, quotes for that fundamental doctrine, but they all taught the same thing that, you know, we're binding ourselves to the Savior through covenants in this life and um, for our ancestors as well. So, Aaliyah, do you remember um, how we started out this talk? What, uh, you know, he's sort of um, framed it as a, a possible contradiction in doctrine. So what did he say about that? Um, he was talking about kind of how all of these things about um, temple work and missionary work came into place through Joseph Smith. Um, and he said... That let's see, there's a quote somewhere. Um, because of the things that Joseph Smith was doing with the Book of Mormon and Moroni appearing to him, and like his first message to Joseph Smith was about the Book of Mormon. And it's the greatest tool of conversion in the latter days, is a quote. And in I want to say it's on Preach My Gospel, it says that, um, the Book of Mormon combined with the Spirit is the most important tool that we have. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and so that um, the Book of Mormon and the Spirit and those things help individuals to experience the mighty change of heart and bind themselves to the Lord through sacred covenants and ordinances um, are the fundamental objectives of preaching the gospel. So basically, conversion is is a part of the gospel. And Joseph Smith said, um, I don't even know where it is. Oh, after all that has been said, the greatest and most important duty is to preach the gospel. That's a quote from Joseph Smith. And then seven years later, Joseph Smith says, 
Um, the greatest responsibility in this world that God has laid upon us is to seek after our dead. So here you have the prophet saying two different things that are the most important thing, and one of which is preaching the gospel, one of which is to seek after our dead, meaning, um, you know, the whole thing with Elijah and turning the hearts of the children to their fathers and the fathers to the children and doing temple work and family history work. And so that's when um, Elder Bednar says that uh, doing priesthood ordinances and covenants is the essential core of the work of salvation on exaltation on both sides of the veil. And that, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, and that of course goes <laughs> back to um, President Nelson, where he talks about gathering Israel mm-hmm. on both sides of the veil. Anything, anytime we do anything to bring somebody closer to Christ. So, and it's through those covenants. Okay, so Rivka, what other um, principles stood out to you here, or quotes stood out to you as you read through this? He says the phrase armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory is not simply a nice idea or an example of beautiful scriptural language. Rather, these blessings are readily evident in the lives of countless Latter-day disciples of the Lord. And then he goes on to share a few of those from people that he's known that I think we should kind of talk through. But yeah. side of this... What I wrote was, this is what that righteousness and power looks like in the day-to-day living of our mortal lives. And I think that's such an important thing he gives us because it is here with us. Like we have, and if you, like, as we talk about this, I hope thing like experiences will come to all of our minds of examples in our own lives that we've seen this happen. And that will help us understand that this power and great glory of God's is here active with us now. It's not just something that will come eventually. So are there any of these examples that really spoke to you? Oh, I mean, all of them. I'm trying to think if there was one I connected. <laughs> um, or if, if there wasn't an individual one, just the whole thing. I guess you did talk about, you know, the general idea of what it looks like in everyday life. But. Yeah. So, well, let, let me start out with the first one. I haven't had this, this experience, but I have had my own experience with something with, with, an, with a thing that has, well, okay, I'll just tell you, I'll read the experience and then talk about it. <laughs> he says, okay. witness the righteousness and power of God and great glory received through faithfulness to covenants and ordinances in the life of a young church member who was partially paralyzed in a horrific automobile accident. After this individual's grueling months of recovery and adapting to a new lifestyle with restricted mobility, I met and talked with this stalwart soul. During our conversation, I asked, what has this experience helped you to learn? The immediate response was, I'm not sad, I'm not mad, and everything will be okay. That is quite a statement. (laughs) From yeah. someone who has had had a thing happen that alters the way that they are able to live their lives. So I have not had this physically, but I've talked about my my struggles with mental health issues, depression, and generalized anxiety disorder. And for me, those those are not um, issues that I was born with um, or that I've dealt with my whole life. Those came, they came and I can remember kind of the moment, even feeling my brain break during my second pregnancy. 
Mm. Um, so I have very stark memories of a life lived and I was 27 years old. So I have memories of a life lived without these, these mental and emotional health issues. And then the after part where it, it is, I mean, it has effectively changed the way that I can live my life. Um, and go about doing things. So I guess in that sense, this does um, resonate with me. And I am learning that (laughs) it says I'm not, he says, I'm not sad, I'm not mad, and everything will be okay. And coming to that conclusion, I don't believe he felt that way when it happened. (laughs) Or after, or during those grueling months of recovery and adapting. But I I do believe, and it doesn't say this in here though, that he turned to the Lord through all of that because that is the only way you can have you can have that sort of change to your heart and your mortal. I don't know that natural man does not react this way. The natural man feels anger and resentment and self pity, and I have felt all of those things in my journey, and. And when, but when you, when I have turned to the Lord, he is the one who helps me get to a point where I can say, I'm not mad about this. Everything's going to be okay. It's just, it's a thing I'm, I'm dealing with in mortality and he'll be with me. So, I mean, I'm inferring a lot out of this story based on my own experience, but I, that means I can say that I can testify that this is a possibility. Um, and, and totally doable getting to a place where you can have your life so altered in a moment and get to the point where you are not just resigned to it, but able to like endure in the sense that heaven uses that term, right? That yeah. we're enduring and, and, and thriving and growing and becoming what our heavenly father wants us to be. Yeah. Fantastic. I think that's the, you know, the best parables are, are broadly applicable in a variety of circumstances. And this is a real person, not a parable, but I think the same, same principle applies. So he framed it in a way that was made it so that it could apply to everyone's situation because most of us are not partially paralyzed. So Aliyah, did any of these examples really resonate with you or were they meaningful to you? Um, there was one. <clears throat> about a woman who um, was struggling with um, divorce. And he says, the sister's spiritual and emotional distress was heightened by a sense of unfairness associated with her spouse's violation of covenants and the breakup of their marriage. She wanted justice and accountability. Um, And then he says that this woman studied and pondered the Savior's atonement more intently and intensely than ever before in her life. Gradually, a deeper understanding of Christ's redemptive missions distilled upon our soul. His suffering for our sins and also for our pains, weaknesses, disappointments, and anguish. After she was inspired to ask herself, or no, and she was inspired to ask herself a penetrating question. Since the price already has been paid for those sins, would you demand that the price be paid twice? She realized that such a requirement would be neither just nor merciful. So this is a great example of how um, the knowledge and covenants of the gospel and um, just a connection with uh, Christ and Heavenly Father can 
lead to some really awesome conclusions that would not have been reached otherwise, kind of like what Rivka was saying. Um, and and that's that's so hard to to do to set all of your um, desires for um, you know justice and accountability aside and say the Lord already paid for this. I'm not going to make them pay again. That's a really um, that's a powerful thing to be able to say. And I think it's awesome that we have a gospel and a savior who can help us come to those kinds of conclusions. That is awesome. Elder Bednar is the master of penetrating questions. I feel like yeah, soul searchers. Um, so Aaliyah, have you had a personal experience where you have felt that you were armed with righteousness and the power of God and great glory? Um, I think in general, throughout the whole life, my whole life, I've been able to um, see trials and experiences in this mortal life for their true intents and purposes. Um, and I um, am generally pretty resilient when it comes to those things. And I have been blessed with the ability to pick up on what I'm supposed to be learning from maybe a negative experience and turn it into something good that I can be grateful for. So I think that's one way because if I didn't, if I didn't have um, the power of the gospel in my life, then all those bad things would just be bad things. And then, and, and generally my life isn't bad. Like there's a lot of good things, but there are times when things happen that I sometimes maybe at the beginning don't want them to happen, but Usually by the end or after a little bit of reflection, I can say with the knowledge that I have that that was a good thing and I'm glad that it happened, you know? Yeah. Great. Any, any specific instance? Um, well, with the MTC, I had a couple, um, I guess not really bad days, but times where I, I was thinking like, oh, if I didn't. If I hadn't gone on a mission, I wouldn't have to deal with this or like <laughs> I could I could cope in a different way <laughs> right. instead of being stuck on a Zoom call for four hours. <clears throat> um, but it's been it's been really good to um, figure out that I can cope with negative experiences by um, turning to the Lord and letting him share my burdens. And, and that's actually a better way <laughs> of dealing with negative experiences than um, maybe some of the other ways that I would have in the past. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, something struck me about this as I read it and just, you know, he used this, um, rhetorical device of just sort of repeating that phrase over and over before he gave an example and just reading it so many times, you know, um, <clears throat> the phrase talks about being armed with, which with righteousness and power and, um, I, I read another interesting survey once about just Christianity in general, not just, um, our church, but general Christian churches that, you know, men are leaving Christianity more so than women or to a greater, you know, statistical extent at least. And that, um, the survey talked about how they respond better to Christianity in the context of fighting a battle against Satan. So, if they think of God as their sort of general in a war against evil, 
Um, it's more motivating to them to be involved. Um, but of course we, we don't want to ignore the, the tender compassionate side, but sort of this, um, approach of, you know, I'm, I'm fighting this important war. So this, this language of being armed with righteousness and having power and glory sort of things you might think of associating with battle. I don't even know where to go with that. It just struck me of, you know, his approach and the language he was using here, thinking of some of these young men who might be sitting in class, like bored out of their mind as, you know, I'm reading scriptures with them, but maybe more excited by joining the Lord's battalion armed with righteousness and power. And that some of the things they can do are to, you know, think of these people who are suffering and go relieve that suffering as part of their, their battle against Satan. And I could think of a handful of young women too, who would be maybe more excited about this. And president Nelson has done a great job of using this kind of language and, and different perspective in his whole, like, will you join the Lord's battalion (laughs) and things like that. And, um, I, I, this could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Spanish word for endowment, as in like the temple endowment, is investidura, which like is investiture, um, as in being invested with power or like when uh, like the Queen of England or whatever, like um, there's an investiture where she gets her like queenship. I don't really know how it works, but like coronations. Sort <laughs> yeah, of? yeah, 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 exactly. So I thought that was really interesting because I didn't really know what the word endowed meant. I kind of just think it meant like given, I guess. Um, But when in church history, when the Lord was telling people to go, the saints to go to Ohio, he said, go to Ohio to be endowed with power from on high. And of course, that would come from the temple. And so I, I like to think of it as being... Um, an investiture of power and and like almost rank or responsibility um and so yeah i thought that was interesting fantastic um i think in my personal life this i have really felt this and this talk really resonated with me i feel like as i serve the lord in callings i just receive so much strength and and energy and capacity and, you know, I, f- I feel like I deal with weighty matters pretty regularly and the Lord just unearths or opens up these just reservoirs of, of strength to be able to take those things on. Um, and so I feel very, very blessed about, about that. But Rivka, what do you do when you don't feel that you're armed with power and great glory? Like what, what if you're doing, you're, you're trying to keep your covenants and and you just don't feel that strength or that that connection. So as you guys have been talking about this, I was I've been thinking that if the Lord is arming us with something, <laughs> the clear implication there is that what we are about to do or what we are doing is struggling. It mm. is a struggle. There's no need to arm if there's not going to be a struggle in which we need defended. You, you know, we need to be defended. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so despite the best armor, it's still a struggle. And I wonder if sometimes the reason we may not feel like we are armed with 
power and great glory is, is we get this idea that if we have that, it won't be a struggle. Right. And that just isn't true. (laughs) The whole point of the whole point of being armed is to enter the struggle. And so if we keep that in mind, that if we're struggling, it's not because we're not armed, but, but recognizing what that armor is doing for us and how it is protecting us in the midst of the struggle rather than keeping us out of the struggle. That is a great insight. I think, you know, as I think of Sundays where I'm, you know, I just said that I, I feel like the Lord has blessed me with, with strength. You know, there are lots of Sundays where I feel sad or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crying with or for people or praying with or for people or, um, you know, just desperate for some sort of, um, you know, way to help somebody who, who needs my help. Um, but in the end, I always, you know, no matter what the outcome is, I always feel that underlying foundation or, or, you know, a sureness of, of the Lord's presence there. Um, knowing that he he's in control and and that um, as long as we do the best that we can, that all things will turn to our good. Um, he said something similar like that um, towards the end or more towards the middle. He says, we are bound securely to and with the Savior. And he was talking about, you know, taking the, uh, the, the Savior sharing the yoke upon us. So we are bound securely to and with the Savior as we faithfully remember and do our best to live in accordance with the obligations we have accepted. And that bond with him is the source of spiritual strength in every season of our lives. And, you know, that includes the sunshiny Sundays where we're on a picnic with our family and the weeks or months or years of struggle and pain as we deal with mental health issues or physical issues or um, addiction or betrayal or whatever the, the case may be, all the terrible things that life has to throw at us. So, well, um, I, th- I think there is probably we could have three more hours about this talk because <laughs> there are so many examples and so much depth here to this. And I think so many ways we could examine in our lives. How has, have we felt armed with righteousness and the power and great glory um, but let's jump down to the invites and um, Aliyah, what invitations and promises did you find in this talk? Um, Elder Bednar says that our Savior Jesus Christ invites us to look to him, come to him, learn of him, and bind ourselves to him through the covenants and ordinances of his restored gospel. Um, and then the promise is, I testify and promise that honoring covenants arms with us, us arms us with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. Awesome. Uh, so he just made it easy today. Uh, he's the, he's, we have the quote of him at the beginning of each podcast mm-hmm. about the fundamental doctrine, the invitations and the promises. And here he gave, he said, he didn't say doctrine, but he said fundamental truth. And then he said invitation and he said promise. And at the very beginning of this paragraph, right before the invitation, he says covenant promises and blessings are possible only because of our savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's some doctrine. <laughs> he just, he just, thank you. Elder Bednar. It's <laughs> so neat and uh, orderly. Um, but yeah, I love the, the invitation and the promise there. So I think individually we can, we can invite ourselves to, ask ourselves those penetrating questions 
And one of those would be, how have we felt the, the strength and power of the Lord? Or how have we been armed with righteousness, with the power of God and great glory, uh, which is just incredible language, or to maybe put it in the Elder Uchtdorf language that we love so much. In what ways have you seen God do unimaginable things in your life? And that power of remembering and looking back can help you to feel that in the future when you face something hard, which is inevitable. Um, I would also, this this talk kind of reminded me how closely, um, how important temple work is and how closely it's related to missionary work. And so I would invite you to go to the temple and uh, do some names, go through an endowment, go through an initiatory, do baptisms, um, because ultimately you are helping, um, you know, God's children receive the power and glory that we have the opportunity to get here on earth. Fantastic. Rivka, anything else to add to that? Um, yeah, sort of a reiteration of this. Um, this invitation that Elder Bednar gave reminded me of an invitation that Elder Holland gave at the end of his talk called The Laborers in the Vineyard. Um, and since the Lord tells us that whether by his own voice or by the voice of the servants, it's the same, this invitation coming from Elder Bednar or Elder Holland or Armana Ebert, it's all the same, just repeat <laughs> invitations of the Savior. So this, in the words of Elder Holland, so if you've made covenants, keep them. If you haven't made them, make them. If you have made them and broken them, repent and repair them. It is never too late, so long as the master of the vineyard says there is time. Um, so I love that one. So to all of us, I think that's the invitation with the covenants. Keep them, make them, or repair them. Beautiful. Fantastic summary. Well, thank you. That was it's such a great talk. And um, our next talk will be Faith to Act and Become by Elder Ciro Schmel. Schmel. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm so bad at the names, and I just apologize to everyone. (laughs) Um, If you want to look for us on social media, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Words of the Prophets or Words of the Prophets Podcast. And our Gmail is Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you to everybody for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.